Do you think that classical music is not for you and you don't know where to start? Or maybe you're a fan already and would welcome a fresh approach. You've come to the right place. Perfect pitch is for everyone, beginners or experts, whatever your age. Lend Nick Healy Hutchinson your ears for his weekly dose of classical music that will enrich your life. I touched upon the idea of film music recently when we listened to the final moment of Korngold's Violin Concerto. And the historians among you will know that 25th of October next week is Agincourt Day. It's as good an opportunity as any to revisit film music as being part of the classical music canon. William Walton's incidental music to the 1944 film of Henry V has since been adapted and played separately as a concert piece. Walton had written the music for several films already, and Laurence Olivier, who played the part of Henry V, said it was the best score he'd ever heard. But here's a little dilemma. Walton did not himself approve of film music being used away from film. He even said that good film music is not good film music if it can be used for any other purpose even if he did make a couple of exceptions himself. And what of John Williams, perhaps the greatest in that specialisation of all time? Do you call it classical music? Well, maybe not now, but in years to come, certainly. Especially as Williams has composed a great deal away from film. Back to Walton. We're going to listen to the charge and battle scene at Agincourt. You get a very clear image at the beginning of the French lining up to charge, announced by the brass and drums, and then a rhythm, which is really not far off that iconic Jaws moment some 30 years later, in its anticipation of the danger to come, followed by a full-blown gallop, and then the mixture of an attempt to persevere with the charge, while in the midst of a chaos and carnage, which has suddenly arrived under a downpour of English arrows. As peace descends and Henry surveys the dead, you get this very clear reference to the melody of Contelube's songs from the Auvergne. It's good, clear storytelling in music, and it's played here by the Bournemouth Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Andrew Lisson.
storytelling in music is not a new thing, of course. In the first episode of this podcast about 50 months ago, I demonstrated that with the help of Beethoven's Sixth Symphony, his pastoral, a piece of five movements depicting his love of the countryside. On that occasion, we listened to The Storm and its aftermath, but it's the second movement, which Beethoven titles By the Brook, which is probably my favourite of the lot. Flowing water is instantly recognisable and illustrated throughout with the strings. And at the end, we get this lovely exchange of birdsong between a nightingale on the flute, a quail on the oboe, and a cuckoo on two clarinets. The culmination of the movement with the woodwind really is sweetness itself. And this is a very fine rendition in a live performance by the Dresden Staatskapelle Orchestra under the direction of Herbert Blomstedt.
When you hear music like that, it's hard to believe that it was written at almost the same time and by the same hand which wrote the iconic Fifth Symphony. Staying with the gentle, Chopin composed this Berceuse, a word meaning lullaby or cradle song, in 1844. Wagner's slightly derogatory comment about Chopin being a composer for the right hand is actually quite apt here. The right hand is doing almost all the work, and plenty of it too, while the left hand only deviates from the same notes all the way through in the briefest of moments. The fingers gliding up and down the keyboard in Chopin's Berceuse are those of the late Brazilian pianist Nelson Freire.
We started today with a march, so let's finish with something also in a bit of a hurry, albeit on a much smaller scale. What it lacks for in players, it certainly makes up for in jollity, but you might expect that from Vorjak. His serenade for wind instruments was written for two oboes, two clarinets, two bassoons and three horns. Stay with it. It has a slightly quirky beginning and it may take a minute or two to wonder where it's going, but it develops and opens up into something joyful and affirmative. The final movement of Dvorak's Serenade for Wind Instruments is played here by the Academy of St. Martin in the Fields, conducted by Neville Mariner. Thank you. 
That's it for now. Thank you for listening to Perfect Pitch with Nick Healy Hutchinson. He'll be back again next week with some more treasures for you, so please do join him then. And you can subscribe to this podcast by clicking on the link below.